I'm going to take a time at the end to do some some prayer over one another. So I want you to know if you if you do need prayer for something, um, I want us to go through this uh, next session here in the gifts of the Spirit because we're talking about today the gift of faith. And one of the things about the gift of faith is that uh, you can exercise it in praying for somebody else. And so um, kind of asking the Lord there, you know, hey, Lord, how about now? And didn't seem to be the right time. So he said later, <laughs> not right now. You know, there is something important, though, about just that this this that song we're singing and just singing exalt thee and you know the name of jesus we we sang a lot of a lot of strong really strong declaring songs about kind of Jesus being the king uh he's the king, no matter what he's the king, no matter what, but I get the benefit of the kingdom in my life when I have him exalted over all else when he is lifted higher and higher. As I was singing that spontaneous song, that was, that was the idea. It was just like, man, Lord, I want to I see you lifted higher and higher in my life because then that means your rule and reign is being more and more saturated and more and more pouring out in me and through me to, to others. And uh, we need that. We sure need that, don't we? Amen. Today we're talking about the gift of faith. We, six weeks ago we started... Uh, this study on the gifts of the Spirit, we've had a couple of breaks in between, and we will take a break next week for Easter and focus on the resurrection and celebrating that. Uh, but today, so if you want to open your Bibles again to 1 Corinthians 12, we will start there. If you don't have notes, um, you, pr- you might need notes. Um, we've got some extra ones here to hand out. If you need one, lift your hand up. People are picking up their bulletins now. I'm training you. It's, it's a trick. It's a trick for you to get the bulletin. So, um, if you've missed other weeks, there are previous weeks on the back table. If you're interested, if that's helpful to you, has a lot of the scriptures we go through on there for you. So, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Now, open the Word of God as we read it. Let's read 1 Corinthians 12 again. I know we've done it several times the last few weeks, uh, but some people haven't been here, so we'll read it again for them. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says... Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one or to everyone, everybody say everybody. That means that's me. That's me. That's me. You can say it for yourself. <laughs> that, now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, 
That's me for somebody else. The gift is in me for somebody else. To one there is given through the Spirit the message or the word of wisdom. To another the message or the word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits or discerning between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Holy Spirit's a He. It's one of my pet peeves. Holy Spirit is not an it. Don't call the Holy Spirit an it. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is a person. Okay, And so He gives just as he determines. And so today we're looking at the gift of faith, which is in verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. And it says, a definition that we have of the gift of faith is the supernatural ability to have no doubts about what God will do, not what God can do, what God will do. This goes above and beyond the normal believer's trust and faith and is unwavering and unshakable until God acts. I like that. That's pretty good. Uh, that wasn't even totally me. We came up with that with a group of people a couple years ago. And so that one sounds like it mostly wasn't for me. Uh, man, unwavering and unshakable till God acts. I like that. <laughs> Has no doubts about what God will do. See, the difference between faith and something else is that he believes God will do it, not that God can do it. Believing God can do something is not faith. Believing God will do something, that's faith. And so, sometimes I know one of my favorite scriptures, unfortunately, maybe it won't be my favorite all, all my life, but it's like that guy that says, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> In other words, sometimes I'm struggling between the can and the will. Lord, I know you can, but can I get to the where I know you will? Because when I know I get to the point where I know you will, then I know that's faith where I've really entered into the faith realm, where I've really entered into the trust realm, where trusting God, I'm trusting Jesus solely for what I'm asking for. And so the biblical definition of faith comes, I think, from a great scripture, Hebrews 11.1. Uh, it'll be on the screen. It's on the paper too. Now, faith is the assurance or confidence in what we hope for and being certain and the assurance about what we do not see. Different translations say Faith is the substance of what we hope for, or the assurance, and it's the, uh, what does mine say? Here, 11, oh, and being certain or confident about what we don't see. And so, faith, you know, we've heard about faith in our lives before, and the faith in the gift of faith, we're all supposed to have faith, right? Right? Yes, that was, it's not a trick question. <laughs> Yes, we're all supposed to have faith. So then what is the gift of faith? What's the gift of faith if we're all supposed to have faith? It must be something beyond just faith. It's something, something greater, something, you know, maybe faith on steroids in a good way. <laughs> maybe that's the gift of faith. Uh, but here's the thing about faith. Faith is the connector between the seen and the unseen. Faith connects us from what we see with our eyes to what we see with our spiritual eyes. That's the connector. That's the connection point. That's the, that's the, the doorway 
to the unseen. The unseen is this, something that already exists, but faith gives us eyes to see it. So really, here's the deal. Faith does not make anything happen. Faith recognizes what is already there and takes hold of it. See, we're not, we don't make God ever do anything, do we? We don't. We can't make God do something. We can't, you know. Basically, faith takes hold of what God has said is already ours. God has already purchased it for us. If it's in the area of healing, God, God has already said, I have, I have crucified my son. He has borne your sicknesses and your pains and your infirmities. He took stripes on his back for our healing. So that's already been done. So faith doesn't suddenly make God heal someone. Faith takes hold of what God has already done for healing and says, that's, that's for me. It's totally, uh, it's totally beyond the mind. Faith is not from our mind. Faith is from our spirit. It goes beyond our minds many times. There's that scripture that says this. I think we have Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It says, it says this. That God will be, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine or all we ask or think according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go back to the first one, Cooper. It says that God will be able to do more than we ask or imagine. In other words, if you can think about it, then God says, I can do more. And faith taps into the more. Faith, faith taps into the beyond my mind. Faith taps into beyond my imagination. Faith taps into beyond what I can come up with on my own. That's, that's a picture, I think, of the gift of faith. But here's the deal with the gift of faith. The gift is in you for somebody else. Think about all the other gifts. When you have a word of knowledge, as we talked about last week, wasn't that fun? If you were here last week, we had this word, you know, it was, that was awesome. It was so fun to just see things pop up and people tell about how they've received things and then, you know, things happen right here on the spot. That was awesome. And so, uh, but you know what? When we have those things, it's for somebody else, right? When you give a word of wisdom, it's, it's for somebody else. I mean, it can be for yourself, but a majority of the time, the gifts are meant for somebody else. And so, as I've been thinking about this, talking with a couple different people this week and just kind of bouncing things off of them, you know, it's like, hey, wait a second. This isn't about me believing for something for myself. The gift of faith is for me, for someone else who doesn't have the faith to believe for what God wants to give them. So that's the difference between my personal faith and the gift of faith. The gift of faith is a supernatural ability that comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's for somebody else. It's so I can believe for somebody else, so I can influence someone else to believe. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's the influencing gift where, I, where it's in me so I lift somebody else to the level of faith where they can believe God for what they need to believe Him for. Where they can receive God what they need to receive from Him. So here's some examples from Scripture. I'm going to jump, jump to those because I want to I dig into these a little bit more than... We have with some of the others. Turn to Mark 2. Turn to Mark chapter 2. Don't know if I put that one on the screen or not, but we're going to it. So you might have to use your Bible. Mark chapter 2. This, I think this is a great example of the gift of faith at work where somebody 
You know, the four friends bring the paralytic. It's not the paralytic's faith that's moving things right here. It's the four friends. So it says, Mark 2, 1, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So, so many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an, excuse me, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, I want, I'd love to see this scene, wouldn't you? This is a cool looking, this is a cool looking picture here. They lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And here's Jesus, again, last week he looked at this, he has a word of knowledge. He knows something that's going on in someone else. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, here's the deal. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. But who had the faith in this story? The friends. It wasn't the paralytic. We have no indication. Now, again, he may have had a little or a lot. But the friends were the one that said, we will not be denied. I mean, look, it was probably just as bad as it is now to tear off somebody else's roof. Okay? I mean, how do you, what do you call the insurance adjuster? Hey, I was having a, a church meeting at my house, and these four guys, they, it was too crowded, so they couldn't get in, so they busted a hole in the roof so they'd get in to get prayed for. Is that covered? Insurance people? No. <laughs> right? No. That's not covered. You know, that's not a, you know, that's not hail damage, okay? So this is a lot more than hail damage going on here. So, I mean, it was just as bad back then as it would have been now. You know, maybe a little bit easier to build the roof, but hey, you know, still the roof is gone. I don't know whose house this was, but uh, they have the most famous holy roof in the Bible. So, but the fr- it was the friends' faith because they knew, they knew beyond that a shadow of doubt what Jesus would do. I mean, if they didn't think, if they thought there was a chance that they would lower him through the roof and nothing would happen, I mean, that was going to make them pause. You know, I, am I going to tear someone's property up? To risk for something that I think might not happen. These guys were sure of what they were hoping for. They were certain of what they had not seen yet. They had not seen it yet with their physical eyes, but they had seen it with their spiritual eyes first. That's what faith does. Faith sees spiritually what will happen in the future in the natural realm, physically. And it was the gift of faith in them that caused them to allow the healing of this paralytic to be released in his life because of their faith. To me, this is a great picture of the gift of faith at work. That is a supernatural ability for blessing somebody else so that they can believe. Here, let's look at another one. Uh, Matthew chapter 8 is the faith of the centurion. 
Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, says this, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to, the, said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west, take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Again, this man had the faith so someone else would be healed, so someone else would receive a touch from God. The gift of faith. And the thing I want us to get from here, there are several things that faith connects us to. Faith connects us to the unseen. And what's unseen is faith connects us to also to authority. Faith connects us, first of all, to the unseen reality of our identity in, who, in Christ. Okay? When we are connected to our identity in Christ, we realize two things. We get two things from our identity in Christ. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We're his sons and daughters. We're sons and daughters of the king. So you have to believe that to be true. Okay? It is true. If you're a believer, it is true. But in order for you to receive the benefits of it, you have to believe it, and faith activates that in your life. And it releases two things. Number one is security. Number one is security. And my identity, this is our identity, is two things for us. Number one is my security. In other words, I am loved no matter what. I am His no matter what. There's nothing, it's, it's not about performance anymore. It's no longer about performance. It's, it's about gr the grace of God. It's the mercy of God forgiving my past and the grace of God giving me power to walk forward day by day into the future. So there's, there's that security that comes, that comes by faith, by trusting that I am who God says I am. So I have security in that. But there's also the second part of our identity is not just security, not just, yes, I'm his, his, his child. It's that I have authority. And that's the connection here that the centurion makes, the connection between faith and authority. That if I, if faith reveals in the unseen who I am, that I'm secure in Him, but I also am seated with Him, I am sitting next to Jesus in the heavenly realms. That is a crazy thought. That's wild. I mean, that is radical. That is, that is, that is, that is really big. And I'm not even saying I understand how big it is, but if we caught that, when you have that reality, when you catch that reality in your life, you will know you have authority. You will know you can say to things, get out of here and they must go. Where does it say Jesus is sitting in heaven far above every rule, power, and authority, every name that could be named now and in the future? So if, if that's where Jesus is sitting... I'm sitting next to him. Hello. 
I know I spoke on this last year. I'm going to keep preaching it till I get it. So I'm sorry I'm so slow. Okay? I want to, I want to get this. Man, I want, to, I want to get the authority that we have. And you know what? We need to activate the gift. We need a supernatural act of faith, gift of faith that activates us to realize to walk in this authority. That I am sitting with Jesus. I'm secure in who I am. And that he has not only made me secure, he said, I've given you something to do. I've given you authority. I've given you my signet ring. What, what, you, know, what you say is just like what I say. I mean, that's someone who has authority. Is they can say something else the king was going to do and they can carry it out just like they were the king. It's kind of scary. In other words, that means whatever I do is just what Jesus would be doing in the world. That's why Jesus said, I got to go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit so I can fill you with the power to be me all over the world. That's who the church is, the presence of Jesus in the world. Where is Jesus right now? Wherever you are. Where do you show up? There's Jesus. What would Jesus do? Well, he's already there. He's, you, he's in you, so you do it. You know, what would Jesus do is kinda, was kind of... First of all, I don't like things that become too cliche, but what would Jesus do is a good thing, but it, it wasn't about, like, acting right. It's not about, like, what would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't do all this bad stuff that I'm thinking about doing right now. It's not, it's, you know... <laughs> Okay, let's see. I yelled at my wife today, so that wasn't, that wasn't what Jesus would do, I don't think, right? No, probably not. Um, oh, man, I thought I was really mean to my coworker, whatever. You know, all this stuff, you know. I don't think it was about behavior. I mean, I think truly if we wanted to live, what would Jesus do? That's about living my life and the power of Christ in me. You know, it's not like, what would Jesus do? Let's not do the bad stuff. It's like, what would Jesus do? Let's see what, what would happen if Jesus were here right now. That's cool. I want to see some more of that. So I need the gift of faith in my life to operate so someone else can see it. Because there's a lot of people that don't have faith. They're never going to believe. But you can believe for them. And they can experience the power of the kingdom. And then they might believe. But they may not believe unless they see. Jesus said, blessed are those who believe even though you haven't seen. But some people need to see it. So us who've already seen in the unseen realm, who've experienced the power of heaven in our lives, then we get to share it with somebody else so they can experience too and they can tap into that realm. So the connection between faith and my identity, my identity, faith and authority, faith and security, faith in the unseen, all those connections. You know, I know Smith Wigglesworth is a, a famous uh, evangelist, preacher, man of God, I mean, he just saw some amazing miracles throughout his life. And uh, he said it this way, if God's not moving, then I'm going to move God. Because he believed faith moved God. Now, here's the deal. I don't actually think he made God do things. I think his faith empowered him to do what God already wanted to do. Because there was nothing that he did... (laughs) That God didn't want to do. What would Jesus do? Well, he wanted to do those things. What did Jesus say? My father, I'm, I'm really off the cuff here now. I hope you don't mind the notes being off here. Uh, what did Jesus say? I only do what I see my father doing. How do you see something that the father is doing? I have to see the unseen. 
Now, again, last week we talked about this. Not every one of us is a seer spiritually. And I've, I, I got a couple of people that said, thank you for sharing that. You know, not every one of us is, closes our eyes and has a picture from God. Okay? Some of us have a, you know, we close our eyes and there's a, there's a dark shade that goes over. <laughs> I mean, that's it. But that means, how does God speak to me? He's going to speak to me. Maybe he speaks to me into my heart, you know, with, through impressions, through speaking into my spirit. Uh, maybe he speaks through uh, scriptures. Maybe he speaks a different way. He's going to reveal himself to us all in different ways. But the gift of faith is going to activate in the same way. Sometimes you will actually see something into the unseen realm. There are people that see in the unseen realm. may not be everybody. It may not be the way God uses you, but some of us just know. Some of us sense. So no matter what, faith accesses the unseen realm. God does it in different ways with each and every one of us, whether you can see it literally in your mind's eye, whether you can see it with your eyes open, whether you just know it in your knower, or whether you can feel it in your heart. You know, whatever way he communicates with you, he is opening up that realm. It was a, we read this one last week. It was kind of a word of knowledge, really a better word of knowledge example, but I think it can apply maybe the gift of faith. This one was more for this guy himself. In Acts 14, it says that Paul looked out and saw this lame guy who, guy who had faith to be healed, and so he called it out. And so maybe it was a word of knowledge, but it was also there was faith that was being activated in this guy, but he didn't know he had faith. He needed someone else to point out, hey, you've got the faith to be healed. Just jump up right now. You have, you have, you already have in you what you need. You know, sometimes we're always seeking God for something that we don't have. When He said, "I've already given that to you," just use what you've already been given. You have what you need, and so faith helps us see. Hey, this is what I already have. Sometimes it's helping someone else see. Hey, this is what you already have. You you have it because you believe it. The Canaanite woman's faith in Matthew 15. That's the story of the woman who comes for her daughter. Again, she's having faith for somebody else. It's not the daughter that, that has the faith necessarily in, in the account. And Jesus says to her, I haven't seen, you know, there's only two people that Jesus says, I, you have great faith. And it's the centurion and the Samaritan, or the Samaritan woman, the Syrophoenician woman, excuse me. You know, these two foreigners who were not even a part of the people of God, they were the ones that had the great faith. She sought for her daughter to be delivered. And Jesus said, you know, you, you know, don't bother with me. I'm not coming. I'm not doing things for you. But why did he do that? Because he knew she had faith to receive what was already there for her daughter, to be free, to be delivered from this demonic oppression. So here's some use. So how do we use the gift of faith? I mean, here's the deal. Some of them are real concrete. This one's a little more like, what's the gift of faith? Right? If I said, hey, tell me an example of the gift of faith. Like last week we did word of knowledge. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I say, hey, tell me an example of the gift of faith. Some of you looks on your, all of our faces would be like, um, yeah, oh, ooh, you see, I, I, I saw that look. <laughs> think of that. So it's, it's a little less concrete, isn't it? It's a little bit more, you know, I think that's part of the nature of faith. It's not like you just can't just nail it down and say, boom, here it is. Here's five steps. Bom, 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 bom. Here's faith. It's because you're tapping into something that you can't see. And so, you know, the answer may not be able to be seen. You can't necessarily see what's going on all the time or know what's going on. 
You know, it's like the prayer of Daniel. You know, Daniel prays in the book of Daniel. You remember that story? If you don't, you should read the whole book of Daniel this afternoon. And Daniel, you know, prays, and then it takes 21 days for him to get the answer. And the angel shows up to him and says, I was dispatched the first day you prayed, but I had some battles in the heavenly realms. I had to get through some demons and all this stuff. I, w- I, was, I was delayed. <laughs> I was, you know. But what happened? When Daniel prayed, it, was, it immediately happened. Now, again, that's an interesting account. You're like, God, is that how it works? I don't know if that's how it always works. Or Daniel just had the angels and we have God. I don't know. But there was something that already happened, but Daniel didn't give up in his prayer. He believed that he had what he was praying for. And you know what? It had already happened when he first prayed. We talked about this on Wednesday night uh, with, uh, you know, thanking God. There's, there's a time where you pray for something and then there's a time where you, you, you know that he's heard, and you just thank him for it. I know from your, from your dad, Brother J.D. used to say that all the time. We'd be in the prayer meeting sometimes, and we'd, we'd bring up this request we'd been praying for. And I remember Brother J.D. would always say, uh, we just need to thank God for it now. We, don't need to, we need to quit asking for this. We need to quit praying about this. We need to begin to thank the Lord for this. Faith thanks God for what it doesn't see yet, but it, what it already has, what it knows it has in faith. And so we need to thank God for that. So uses of the gift of faith. I think one of the biggest uses in the gift of faith is prayer. And more specifically, intercession for someone else. Praying for somebody else. That's where the gift of faith is activated often, I believe, is when you're praying for somebody else. You have, you have the, they don't have the faith, but you have the faith to see what needs to happen in their lives. And so what happens to intercede is you, you stand in the gap. I mean, that's the phrase we throw around in the, in the church. You know, that means you stand between that person and God and you're acting as them to God. That's what it means, literally, intercede for someone. You're standing for them. They're not praying, but I'm praying for them. Some of us have, have family members where we're, who we're interceding for, you know, or children or parents that don't know the Lord or whatever. You know, the gift of faith is what you need. That's what you need to, to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that says, God will do this in their life. If you're praying for their salvation, you're, you're, you're believing, you're standing on the Word of God. That says, you know, my family will be saved or, you know, I, I've, I've offered them up to, to God. I've dedicated them to the Lord. You know, you're interceding. You, you are having, you are standing in their place so that you, your voice is almost like theirs crying out to God. And God says, everybody who calls out to me, I will save them. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I think one of the greatest uses is prayer and intercession for somebody else. Uh, number two, uh, the release of miracles. You know, the gift of faith, I believe, has to be there to see the release of the miraculous in many, in many ways. And I think it's a supernatural gift. So I think the gift of faith is one gift that operates with the other gifts. The gift of faith operates with the gift of miracles. The gift of faith operates with the discernment of spirits when we cast out demons. Because faith has to do with authority. And so I believe, number three... The gift of faith operates when we deal with demonic powers and influences in people's lives. That's what we need is the gift of faith, a supernatural ability to believe that God will do what he says he will do and that I have authority over what he says I have authority over. 
So all you demon hunters out there, we don't have to be demon hunters. I'm being facetious. But you know what? We can be demon hunters. In other words, when they show up, boom, I'm going to shoot them. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take care of those things. And I, because I have authority. I'm secure in who I am. I'm seated in the heavenly realms. I'm coming from a place of peace and rest. Okay? It, it doesn't, it doesn't have to, you don't have to get excited. You may get excited. I just like to get excited sometimes when I pray. So I, just, I might get excited. But it's, it's not the excitement that activates anything. It's faith and authority that releases things. And so you can be quiet, you can be loud, you can be in between. It doesn't matter. It's that you're operating in your authority through faith. I mean, Jesus said, hey, you will, you will cast out demons. I know we're spirit-filled church. We believe in that. So just be aware you might get a chance to cast out a demon. Some of you are like, I don't want to mess with that stuff. No, mess with it. If it's there, I'm not saying go find them. Did anybody hear me say go find demons? No, I don't want to go find them, okay? I find, enough of them find me, okay? <laughs> Demons like to come to church sometimes. They tag along with people sometimes, you know, whatever. They, they like to show up at opportune times. But here's the deal. I need to be able to deal with them. I need to be able to be, I need to have confidence being sure of what, where I am. That's, that's another reason to live a clean life, too. Because if you're walking, if you know you're walking in purity and holiness, look, no matter what, if you're a believer, you have the authority. But here's what's going to happen. If you're not walking in purity, there's going to, you know, the enemy, if you're trying to kick him out, is going to say, hey, remember what you're, what you're doing right now. And he's going to try to use, you know, Sin in your life against you if it's not dealt with. He'll say, hey, Ray, remember that? And then what happens? Nothing changes. It's not like your identity changes. It's your belief, your faith in your identity changes. And it begins to waver. And then so you don't take your authority because you're like, well, you know, I was doing some bad stuff this week. And so, no, it doesn't matter because that it's not about performance. I'm not saying just go ahead and do this stuff. I'm saying that doesn't matter. It doesn't affect your identity or your authority in Christ. And the more you take hold of that the less you'll even worry about that stuff you won't even be entertained with that stuff anymore it begins to your identity begins to flow through you and then it's like oh that's that's not me i don't have to worry about that i'm not going to do that that's not me that's how you get i think that's how you get free from sin is just man get you get to know your identity you get to know jesus you fall in love with him and then he gives you power and then you're like oh i don't do that anymore for some of us, it happens right away. We, God delivers you, and then some, sometimes God allows you to walk it out so that you grow strong in your faith. So I think the fourth use of the gift of faith is this, is, is declaration. is prophetic declaration and prophetic acts. You know, when you see somebody do a prophetic... I mean, sometimes there's, there's things where you need to do a prophetic act. And, uh, man, I was re- I'm reading this book uh, called Miracles by Eric Metaxas. Uh, he wrote an amazing uh, biography about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's about this big, uh, incredible book, best biography I've ever read. Uh, just a very studious, very intelligent, scholarly type guy, but he's, he just believes God. And this book tells different accounts. It first starts with the kind of the, the biblical side of miracles, well, the science side of the miraculous, 
that it's a miracle that life exists. And it goes to the biblical side of the miraculous, that the resurrection is the ultimate miracle, that it starts from that. If we believe the resurrection happened, we should believe other miracles happen. Because if God did that, then he'll do everything else. That's pretty cool. So then he goes into personal testimonies of the miraculous. And this is an example, I, I believe, of kind of like a prophetic act. In other words, you act out something in the physical to symbolize something in the spiritual. And so there is this, uh, I'll try to tell this quickly. Oh, we don't have, we got plenty of time. It's not even lunchtime. So <clears throat> this guy was uh, having a real struggle in his marriage and he was, uh, his wife wasn't really walking with the Lord. I don't, I don't remember if she wasn't a believer or if she was just kind of out there. You know, she wasn't connected to church. She wasn't connected to God at all. And this guy got connected with a men's group, and so he began praying. And his wife, said, his wife had already decided, look, I'm done with you. I'm divorcing you. They were sleeping in separate rooms, and she had already filed the papers. But he was, like, taking his own sweet time. In other words, he's like, I'm not cooperating with any of this. Uh, he, just re- he says, I believe that God's going to save my marriage. And so he's praying to that effect. If he looks at it with his eyes, he sees nothing. His, his wife is growing farther and farther away from him. The process is going forward. He's dragging his feet as much as possible. But at some point, you know, if she wants a divorce, she's going to get a divorce. I don't know what they think they were in New York. I don't know what the laws are there and how it's different. But, you know, it was progressing. And it, looked, it just looked like it was beyond hope. You know, this had been dragging out as long as possible, nine months or a year, uh, something like that. And so he, you know, he'd seen nothing. I mean, nothing in his natural eyes showed, said anything is going to change. And so as he was praying with these, this group that he prayed with every week, um, one of them said, hey, have you, ever, have you ever let Jesus into your home? He's like, well, I let him in my heart. Uh, <laughs> he said, you know, I'm just, I'm just sensing that. You know, it's just something the Holy Spirit just dropped in. I just, I just feel like you, need, you just need to let Jesus into your house. So the guy's like, well, you got nothing to lose, right? You know, you're at home, you're private at home. It's not weird if nobody else sees it, right? <laughs> I don't worry about the weird stuff that God has me do on my own privately. I mean, don't you? Like when you're by yourself praying, God says, hey, do this. You're like, ah, no big deal. Then he says to do it out here. And you're like, hey, wait a second, God. <laughs> you know, that's a little weird. Well, it wasn't weird in the, in the prayer closet. So anyway, so the guy goes home. He says, you know, he's like, I've never heard of that or whatever. And the guy, you know, they encouraged him. Uh, I don't even think they were spirit-filled churches like Anglican, but they're, you know, they're, they're into the Holy Spirit, by the way. Um, so he goes home. And so he says, all right, goes to the front door or the back door. I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have even been the back door. And he opens the door and said, all right, Jesus, come into my house. So here what he's doing is a, is a prophetic act. In other words, he, he literally opened the door. Does Jesus need the door open to go through? No, we already know that from the resurrection. After he resurrects, he goes through the walls, right? He don't need that. But it's, a, it's, a, it's in the scene to affect the unseen. You know, that's a faith right there. So he, he opens the door and says, Jesus, come into my home. And so he's just kind of standing there, and then he closes his eyes, and he sees this, this shining figure standing outside on the porch. And the figure walks into his house. And he opens his eyes. He doesn't see it again. So then he closes his eyes again. There he is, a shining figure. And so he closes the door, 
And this figure, this, this story, like I was up late at night, like I got the, whoo, yeah, like the good, the good chills. I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, so Jesus begins to walk through every single room or whatever the being was. I mean, I think it was you know, the presence of God somehow in this form and begins to pray over every room. Just begins to just declare things over every room. I mean, he doesn't go into what was said or what was done. But And this guy has his eyes closed the whole time, okay? His eyes closed the whole time, but he's following him through it and walking through his house, okay? I mean, I know we all know our houses pretty well, but some, you know, but, you know, we can't, we probably can't totally walk in the dark, especially if you have your little kids, okay? You don't do that. You don't walk in the dark at night or any time because there's something that will be moved that you will step on. Uh, so there's like, why is the bouncy seat in the middle of the hallway in the middle of the night? Anyway, sorry. So he, he walks through the, through the house. You, his eyes are closed, but he's seeing in the spirit what's happening. And this figure walks through and ends in his office. Uh, I think office or study or something like that. He had a, he had a place. And so, and the figure just stopped there and just stood there. And it was like he was done moving. So he opened his eyes again, nothing there. Closed his eyes again, boom, there's the figure, it seemed. And so then, then he threw himself down at the feet of this figure and he, and he wept and cried and just poured his heart out all night. Very soon after that, his wife is, and this is part where I'm leaving out some of the details, my memory is, is, is going. I wasn't even planning on sharing this, but at some point his wife is at some sort of meeting, not a church meeting, not like a work meeting, like something, and she begins to be overwhelmed with emotion. And she's like, what is wrong with me? You know, she, so she, she gets out of there or finishes it up as best she can and leaves. And so she gets in the car and she's driving and she begins to be so overwhelmed, she begins to weep and cry and she has to pull the car over and she surrenders her life to the Lord. Goes home, tells him, she moves back in to the bedroom, you know, and, and their marriage is saved. Incredible miracle, miracle of a change of heart. And what is, again, there was a lot of stuff going on. There was a lot of prayers. It wasn't just that one thing. But man, there was, there was a, there's a prophetic act there that happened where it's like, boom, I'm opening my door, Jesus, you come on in. And Jesus came into his house and released a miracle. You know, that's a great picture of faith. Sometimes you have to do something that looks stupid or, you know, in our minds uh, doesn't necessarily make sense. We're, we're Pentecostals. We've kind of lost our minds a little bit, right? Spirit-filled. We've already lost it a little bit, but there's still some things where we go, hey, a second here, <laughs> right? Now, again, it's not a permission to be crazy. It's just a matter of, hey, the, the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to do things sometimes that don't make sense. And so I think one of those things is sometimes prophetic acts and sometimes declarations where we just speak things out. You know, we, we just, that's the gift of faith, I believe, sometimes is just the declaration of what God is going to do. And boom, you, you just walk in that gift and you declare those things. You speak them out and they are brought into existence. So God's going to do some miracles. God wants to do miracles, doesn't he? They all look different. They don't all look. They don't all look like we think they should look. But there are miracles that are going to be happening, and some of them need to be released through us, and some of them need to be released through us by the gift of faith. Maybe it's through prayer. 
Maybe it's through being involved in some sort of declaration. Maybe it's an intercession. Maybe it's in, you know, dealing with a demonic force. Maybe it's casting out, casting out devils. I don't know. But I believe that God wants to operate and use us in the gift of faith. So here's what I want us to do. Is there anybody here? Well, let's first of all, let's do this. Is there anybody here who feels like, yeah, I've operated in the gift of faith before? Lift your hand up. Okay, there's a few of you. Okay, good. Those of you that raised your hands, I need you to be the ones that lay hands on people right now. Okay? How many of you say, I don't think I ever have, and I think God wants me to, and I want to? Lift your hand. Okay? There's one, two. Okay? So if you lifted your hand, you need to lay hands on these people. Okay? Because we're, we're believing for impartation right now from the Holy Spirit. So those of you that lifted your hands earlier that said, I've, I've, I've had that happen at least once. If you've had it happen at least once, hey, boom, something like that. Something where faith just rose up, and it was supernatural. It was beyond you. Um, here, so move around and lay hands on those people. Some of you that, that raise your hands. And elders, you, you just have it all, so just lay hands on them too. So <laughs> leaders or somebody. So make sure if, if you raise your hand, are we missing anybody? Cooper in the back. There's one right there. Right here, Nikki. Did you raise your hand? Here, can we... Fran and Don, how about you just lay hands? Edie, right there. Thank you, Lord. We're just believing right now for just a release of this gift in these lives, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for stirring that up right now. Activate those gifts, God.